Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well. Uh, just three games left of this season after our 1-1 draw with Manchester United last weekend. A game on which we'll touch uh, throughout this podcast. And of course, we'll be looking forward to our trip to Loftus Road to play Queen's Park Rangers. The newly relegated Queen's Park Rangers. The newly relegated laughing their way down the tunnel. How dare they? Queen's Park Rangers. Pretty hard to feel any kind of sympathy for them, given that, you know, they hired Mark Hughes, who, as we know, is a punch-looking cunt. Uh, and then when that didn't work, when he had the worst managerial record of any manager of all time, apparently, some well, close to that, they hired Harry Redknapp. Harry Houdini. He's the escapologist. But Houdini... You may know this or you may not, died in the middle of a trick. He claimed he could stop a bullet with his eye. He got a guy to fire a gun into his eye, and surprise, surprise, it didn't work. He couldn't stop it. His eye was not gloopy enough to stop a bullet going into his brain. Now, I may have just made that entire thing up, but I think it it acts as a metaphor for the uh, state of Queen's Park Rangers at this moment in time. And, of course, Harry Redknapp, the man touted as the England manager, the man who got his Tottenham side into the top four last uh, season, but saw them miss out on Champions League football because of, well, number one, Martin Fuller, but number two, the despicable Bayern Munich, who let Chelsea win the Champions League. For all the talk of how great German football is, nobody, nobody should be under any illusions about what assholes Bayern Munich are. Always have been, always will be. Their crimes against football have been unforgivable, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, uh, we'll touch on Queen's Park Rangers as well. Uh, So last weekend, we drew 1-1 with Manchester United, I think on the balance of play. It was a, a fair result because although Arsenal started very, very well and got crunching into tackles, Rosicki and Ramsey were really excellent, took an early lead through Theo Walcott. You know, I think we could have been level before uh, they scored the penalty. Uh, there was a couple of headers by Phil Jones and one from uh, Van Persie himself, which hit Chesney in the face. And then, of course, there was the penalty. And I don't think there was any real doubt about the penalty. But I think under the circumstances... Given that United had won the league and given that Van Persie had left Arsenal in contentious circumstances and had spoken before the game about how he always respects Arsenal fans. I mean, we know it's bollocks, but, you know, if you want to show your respect for the Arsenal fans, kick the penalty over the bar like Chris Waddle it. You know, do it like that where it goes Sergio Ramos job, just over the bar and then hold your head in your hands and go oh my god I can't believe I missed the penalty oh dear oh dear and even if nobody would ever believe you did it on purpose you'd know yourself you're given something but you know he's not like that man Percy he scored deliberately on purpose against us knowing knowing that we're in a scrap for the top four speaks to the character of the man I've, I've spoken about it before And there was another interesting thing, of course, was that um, on TV afterwards, Theo Walcott was wearing a Manchester United shirt while he was being interviewed by Sky after the game. Not just any Manchester United shirt. Robin Van Persie's Manchester United shirt. But here's the thing. 
did Robin Van Persie, in full view of the TV cameras at halftime, give the shirt to Theo Walcott? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's what happened. End of the game kind of thing. Maybe it happened on the pitch. I I don't know. But Theo Walcott wore the shirt on TV. While representing Arsenal, he wore Van Persie's shirt on TV. Van Persie, as we know, gave the shirt to Andre Santos at halftime at the, the other game. And, you know, Santos was just walking off the pitch and Van Persie came up to him and smeared his shirt all over. He did, I'm telling you, he did that deliberately, knowing full well that it would uh, reflect badly on, on Santos and not him. What? He's just a, he's a psychopath. I think he must be. Either that or he's just completely heartless. How could you do that to the smilingest Brazilian that we've had since, well, Edu or, or then Silvino? Of course, here's him smiling. Denilson wasn't a terribly smiley man, was he, really? He just seemed to have an air of un, unbearable melancholy about him at all times. I think it was probably to do with his hair which I, I think there's a direct correlation between the curliness of, of his hair and, and how melancholy he was on the inside. So not all Brazilians are smiley, but, but Santos was smiley, and then he wasn't smiley, and he wasn't smiley because of Robin Van Persie. But I think, you know, given the fact that he returned uh, to our place and he got the booze that he deserved, and then he scored a goal on purpose, deliberately scored a goal, against us in a game that we, we really could have done with the three points in for all his respect. I, you know, I know, I know. He's just doing his job for another team. God. But, you know, uh, it's sort of, um, has it drawn a line under it? I think it has. He's arrived back. Uh, the team has won the title, guard of honour, blah, blah, blah. I still think he could have missed the penalty a bit, but I guess you can't really expect anything less from a guy who who did what he did in the summer and and all that. But anyway, I'm sort of dwelling on this, and and, uh, I've got to quit living in the past. Like I said, a line is drawn under it. We've moved on, and in the end, uh, a 1-1 draw was was probably all right. Fair enough on the day. It's sort of out of our hands now, which isn't great, but given the fixtures that the other teams have, you've got to hope that they'll drop some points on the way. Well, they, they have to because, you know, Chelsea and Spurs are playing each other at some point. Uh, so someone's going to drop some points somewhere. But ideally, they'll, between them, drop many points. And, and we can win our three games and finish in the top four and, and just take it on from there. Uh, but it does make these final three games uh, very, very important, starting with the one tomorrow against Queen's Park Rangers. Anyway, before we carry on with the rest of this so-called podcast, newsflash. Arsenal Football Club today announced a new commercial partnership with Jerry's Plumbers from the Holloway Road. The deal, struck by Ivan Gazidis, will bring literally tens of pounds into the club on an annual basis. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, We know I need my plumbing tinkered with, I always call Jerry. Platinum members can avail of a 10% discount on bath fittings. Quite the news flash indeed. Right then, with me to discuss all the bits and pieces that have gone on this week. Uh, welcoming back to the show from the Arsenal Collective and also Ars Blog News, it is Andrew Allen. Hi there. Good evening. Let's talk about Manchester United um, in terms of the, the Arsenal performance. Certainly the first half, 
maybe the first half an hour or more than anything was was extremely positive. Arsenal really got into United, and even though they had a few chances here and there, um, the intensity of the performance in terms of the tackling, the closing down, the pressing high of the pitch was really, really, really great to see. But uh, it just kind of struck me we couldn't keep that up for the for the ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of reminiscent of a, a lot of performances you sometimes see of teams who come to the Emirates. You know, they think if we really make a good sort of first half of it, we can really put the pressure on the opposition and see what happens. I thought particularly Rosicki, uh, Ramsey and Gazzola were great in the midfield, snapping into challenges and stuff. But I, I guess it's it's only natural, particularly after you know so much of the season has passed, that players' energy levels drop a little bit in the second half. Um Unfortunately, I think the one decisive moment of the game really didn't have anything to do with energy levels. It was more just down to Sanya having a bit of a mare. Mm. Um, but no, I was quite impressed. I think to a certain extent, they were the, the players were feeding off the energy in the crowd. I mean, it, it was hardly a cauldron of hate at the Emirates, but um, you know, it was a bit feisty in the crowd, and there was certainly a, enough of a presence of a certain Dutchman to, to rile people and. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, it, it was a, it was a very good performance. It's the type of performance you kind of want to see in that uh, across the season in, in 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 lesser games than say playing Manchester United. Um, but it's not always easy to produce that. Mm, that, that. That's true. It is one of those where you kind of think if they could play like that uh, for the whole uh, season, then maybe things wouldn't be quite as as tight as they are at this moment in time. Mm. Well, um, we'll come back to Sanya in a moment. I just want to talk about Van Persie. You know, I'm of the opinion that if he had any decency about him, he, he should have missed that penalty. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, in fairness to, San, uh, in, uh, uh, to Chesney, I mean, he knew exactly where the ball was going to go. It's just, you know, even if you go and stand over there and put your hands up in the air, you kind of think Van Persie's bullet shots are probably going to go in anyway. Um, look, I think we just... There was a certain resignation about it all, actually. Weirdly... I think there was more anger and frustration with players like Nasri and Adebayor, but just the fact that this has just kept on happening to Arsenal and we keep losing players and players act like idiots and dickheads and they, they piss off. There's a certain antipathy towards the whole thing. I mean, yeah, everybody was angry with him, but there's only so much you can do these days without <laughs> you know going overboard with the pantomime booing that you look like an idiot yourself in the crowd. Sure. Um, you know, we're just, I, I, we're just I, worn down by it at this stage, aren't we? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, he, he, what you really wanted to do was hate him for the first game that he played us, but he only gave us three minutes and it was a kind of scored Vermaland and made a mistake and it, it was done and dusted there and then. You know, we, we, we lost the high ground in a way. He'd done the damage and it was, it's been an uphill battle ever since. I think it'll be strange now. I mean, it'll be much like Anelka given that he's probably going to be at United for the rest of his career, we're going to have to see a fair amount of him at the Emirates. And you just get used to seeing him. It'll just be another footnote in the history of the club and, you know, a sort of a grubby stain on the, mm. on the, on the kind of the couch, as it were. All right. Well, look, we'll, we'll move on from him. Um, enough has been said, I think, uh, at this point. Let's talk Bakary Sanya then, because obviously he uh, has been, since he joined the club, a remarkably consistent player. And in a team that has had real struggles defensively uh, over the last few seasons. He has been uh, Mr. Consistency, has always played very well, was never found wanting. But this season, whether it's to do with the injuries that he's had, two broken legs in the last 12 months or so, or 18 months, we should say, whether it's to do with what's going to happen with him this summer, and and, uh, I don't know that I'd put a great deal of money on him being 
an Arsenal player next season. But he just hasn't, it hasn't happened for him this season. Uh, and that incident, I guess, uh, uh, against Manchester United really kind of summed him up. A, a, an underhit pass, he chased back, and you're you're thinking, just stay on your feet, don't don't dive in. And he, you know, he did everything Ooh. everything that he could have done wrong. He did wrong. Um, it was a bit sad though to see some of the reaction towards him because I think it's people forget very quickly how good he has been for us. He was in the PFA team twice. You know, um, he has been a, a very a very good player for us. It, it's kind of sad more than anything to see him decline this way. Oh, look, I mean, I, he's an excellent player. He's a wholehearted player. And I think he's a guy who just, you look at him and you think, that's a professional there. He's not someone who moans. You don't ever see him saying the wrong things. I mean, even at the beginning of the season when he went and did this interview with Lequeep, I mean, what he said, nobody could really disagree with. I mean, what he was saying was the truth. It's frustrating to see players walk away. I mean, this season, he has not been at the high levels that he knows that he can reach. Um, I mean, perhaps maybe the Sunderland game apart where he was shifted into the, the, the centre-back position when Jenkinson went off and he, you know, really really did a, a or performed admirably actually it wasn't he was playing from center back from the start I think um but he's obviously got the quality I think in that particular game on on, on Sunday there was a certain amount of being panicked by Nani who I think quite often has a hoodoo over the Arsenal players um and with Nani and Valencia two players who would always hug the touchlines they always make life very difficult for Arsenal um and I didn't think that Sanya had too much support from Walcott. It's not, I'm not making excuses for him. What he did was really a rather bad passage of play. He gave the ball away, did exactly what he shouldn't have done, which was then make a panic decision to make a, a, a challenge. I think maybe he, it wasn't as clear-cut as penalty as, as maybe it, it looks. Um, but I think he's someone that Arsenal can improve on in the long term. I like him. I think he's a great kind of 7, 8 out of 10 player, but... What I want sometimes is is for him in the in the attacking third is to make more of a difference. And with Sanya, you know what you're going to get. If he labours up the field and he plays a one-two with Walcott, the cross that comes in invariably is not good enough. Okay, you'll get the the odd one where he'll produce a, a, a diamond and someone will head it in or, or slide in and, and, and finish the move off. But too often, I find that Sanya's play in the final third is just is not up to the pace and the quality that you kind of know you need from an Arsenal team. Mm. Um, Which brings me to my next question, because uh, in Carl Jenkinson, we have a player whose delivery from the right-hand side is as good as as anything I think we've seen from, from an Arsenal right-back. He can cross it high, he can cross it low, he's got the energy to get past people. Um, you know, obviously, as a young player and as somebody who's still developing and has taken a big step up in the last couple of years, you know, the defensive side of his game uh, is probably where there are issues. But certainly in the attacking third, he's a guy who can, who can give us something that Sanya doesn't. Definitely. I mean, I think I look at Jenkinson, I think he's got straight off the boot. He's got the technique to cross a ball, which I think the strange thing with Sanya is that you look at him and you think there's a guy who's crossing has been exactly the same the entire time he's been at the club. He has a very peculiar way of wrapping his foot around the ball and creating this kind of looped effect, which so rarely seems to kind of it's, it's never a kind of Beckham-esque swings into the box and everybody's kind of on their toes because they know there's going to be this dangerous ball in there. You always know with Sanya it's going to be a bit looped and it's going to probably be at the first man, at the, at the near post. 
with Jenkinson, he's so young, and you've seen the development that's come on in the last 18 months. Look, by no means am I saying Jenkinson is the replacement for Sanya, but he has the potential to go to another level. And I think if you look across the squad at who we might lose this summer, with one year left on his contract and high-profile suitors like, say, PSG and Monaco, clubs with money who, who might want Sanya, you might hold your hands up and go, OK, if I'm Arsene Wenger and this is the summer where I don't have a high-profile player to sell this is the guy who probably will make room and I've got someone in Jenkinson who can take his place and I can potentially go out and buy a very do, a, a good quality uh, player who will challenge Jenkinson in the same way that he's done with Gibbs and Monreal. Um, so I, I, I see Sanya as potentially disposable looking so long as there's a replacement plus Jenkinson, I think. I think Jenkinson certainly has room for growth. Sure. Well, what, what about for the final three games of the season then? Does he, I mean, b- because this is sort of a, not quite backs to the wall kind of stuff, but look, Arsenal are in a fight where they need to take three points from uh, each of their remaining fixtures uh, and look for other teams around them to drop points. Does he stick with the experience? Because it's a, it's a, it is a bit of a risk for a manager to to drop a guy like Sanya, who has, over the last few seasons, been there and done that. And when it's come down to these games, you know, he, he's been there or thereabouts. Um, we've seen maybe a little bit of change of tack with, with Arsene in the sense that when you think about the, the Fabianski-Chesney situation, that was a monstrous risk for him to mm. take, given the, the fact that Fabianski had been out of the team for over 12 months it's not inconceivable that he might say, right, well, look, after what happened against United, I might leave Sanya on the bench. Uh, how do you see it going? Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it, it would be a very risky move to throw Jenkinson in just because of Sanya having a bad game. Um, I think more than anything else, it, it heaps a whole load of pressure on Jenkinson, which at his age, you, you, you might question whether or not he can handle it. I certainly think he... He would do admirably and he'd give his all, but you wouldn't necessarily want the decision to fall on Wenger's. You wouldn't want Wenger to sort of sit and look at the back end of the game and think, Jesus, I changed the right back. It wasn't necessary uh, to do so. And that's what's cost us the game. Mm -hmm. So I think he's more likely to play it conservatively in that respect. I think Fabianski, having been given the opportunity to be the number one in the past and to a certain extent being the more senior player of the two out of him and Chesney, it was easier to maybe make that decision. It's still a, it was a tough decision and one that he, I was surprised he made in a way because it was very unlike him to, to, to lose faith in someone like he did with Chesney. Um, I would stick with Sanya though for the last three games. I think the the difference in the next three games is going to be the attack, not really the defense. I think we need to go out there and score some goals. Um, but does does that not bring you back to your point about well, the delivery from the right hand side? Yeah, it, 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 I suppose it kind of does. But I wouldn't want to be making changes to the defence, hoping that they were going to influence so much the sure. attack. Okay. Um, I think there's there's nothing wrong with in the last twenty minutes sacrificing Sanya, and I think the fact that he's been sacrificed a few times to put Ramsey at right back over sure. the course is actually kind of proof that maybe Wenger thinks that Sanya's delivery isn't quite up to it when 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 push comes to shove in the last few minutes of a game, but. You know, I think Arsenal would have to be a braver man than me right now to change things completely. Sure. All right. Well, look, uh, Lucas Podolski looks like he's going to continue up front. Um, 
It's basically in the absence of any other real alternative, though, isn't it? Uh, he, he did struggle a bit against United, and that's no big problem. I think a lot of players, a lot of better forwards, a lot of more natural centre forwards than him will have struggled against Manchester United this season. It, it would be good, I think, for him to to finish the season on something of a flourish because there seems to be this perception around him that he's that he's been a failure almost this season. I think he's he's been quite a positive. You know, uh, the the fitness thing aside, you know, he scored some fantastic goals. Uh, he's made some good assists, but he's obviously struggled uh, in terms of his fitness. The reports, uh, you know, the exclusive reports rather of a of an ankle <laughs> ankle surgery, you know, are, are are to one side. It would be good for him, you know, to go out with a couple of goals towards the end of the season. And, and, you know, sort of uh, at least when he, he goes off in his summer holidays and whatever might happen to him, he'll go, right, OK, that was an all right season. I can do a lot better next time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's obviously a guy who can finish. I mean, he's scored goals wherever he's been. Um, and I, I fully expect him to score plenty of goals for Arsenal. I just think the way the side is set up at the moment, expecting him to lead the line and be the guy who goes up and wins headers and Link's play isn't necessarily fitting the game to his his qualities. Um, it's probably the reason why he hasn't been given that role pretty much from the outset. I mean, it's not like he was tried and tested for the first few months of the season. Wenger basically gave him one game and then said, right, we're going with Giroud, and that's it. And he, to a certain extent, Arsene's been lucky in that he's not had to have this decision made for him. Well, he's not had to, to, to test this um, because Giroud's been available all season. I mean, the guy's played an unbelievable number of games. Um, I would love to see him grab a couple of goals. I would love to see him make a kind of vital contribution to a game, you know, really win us a game, because I think where Cazorla has won us games this season, really shown his true quality. Podolski has, has often been the kind of cherry on top player, I suppose. You kind of, you see a good contribution from him, but he doesn't necessarily get you the goal that really completely changes things yeah. um, I mean maybe I'm being a bit harsh I mean he scored some some great goals I mean the, the, the Montpellier one and uh, what well, two against Montpellier and I, I think I recall goals against Newcastle which seemed to sort of change the momentum and obviously his performance against West Ham was amazing um, but you kind of question I mean if he's looking forward if we are going to buy another striker where does that put him in terms of his desire to play in a central position? Do we change the team setup? Do we go with two central strikers, one playing off the other? There's plenty of questions there. I think maybe he's kind of talked himself into thinking he wasn't going to get this opportunity. And now he's got to really kind of push on in the next couple of games and try and make a difference. Um, I think the quality of the, the ball into the box needs to be better. I think too often the ball is just played into the box by Arsenal uh, wide men without really looking for a player. He seems to be the type of guy who'll always hang back at the edge of the box looking for the cutback pass rather than diving in at the near post or mm. going in for a header at the far post. Well, he's the guy He's the guy whose who's delivery into the box is probably yeah. better than anyone else's. Well, exactly. And the thing is, there's not enough discipline, I don't think, amongst some of our players to, to really push on and get in the box regularly. And for other players to know that they're always going to be there. You know, you look up and you think, well, every time Walcott played a pass last summer, he, or sorry, last season, he knew that Van Persie was going to be running towards the near post, perfect for the, you know, the flick finish or whatever. This season, there hasn't really been that. So that kind of telepathic relationship between players hasn't really been able to build up. And he suffered a little bit because I think at the beginning of the season, you saw the way he, his interplay with Cazorla worked. Because all his position has slightly changed because Wilshire's been in the team and 
some of the relationships that started in the first half of the season haven't really continued in the second half of the season. Obviously, there's going to have to be work there. They all know each other a bit better now, but I think, you know, tiredness, fatigue, and obviously this potential injury has something to do with it all. Mm. All right, very quickly, looking ahead to uh, Queen's Park Rangers tomorrow, um, any worries that with the relegation thing sort of out of the way now, you know, that they they might be released from the choke of pressure that they've, they've sort of had around their necks because of because it's been coming. You know, it's very difficult to play with that much pressure on you. They could play with a great deal of freedom or they could continue to play like they don't give a shit, which is pretty much the way they've played all season, which could suit us. But, you know, it, it just strikes me. It worries me, this game, that it just has banana skin written on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't help but look back to last season's game where we were on a great run and we went there and you thought this should be three points and we, we slipped up. But you just you just never know with teams. I mean, there's no reason why Fulham, down to 10 men at their place, playing for nothing, should suddenly have pretty much their best performance of the season against us. Um, anything can happen. And really, it's up to us not to worry about how they're going to play and really just go for it ourselves. I have no idea what Redknapp's team sheet is going to look like let alone you know the tactics he, he's going to hope it's going to look done. like the unintelligible scroll of a four-year-old <laughs> yeah all we know is that there'll be a lot of very overpaid players who don't have too much to to play for looking for another club probably in the summer so maybe they'll try and catch arson's eye with a with a fancy performance who knows i i, I just hope we, we we go there get the job done i don't care if it's another really really horrifically nervous one nil victory you know secured in the last minute by something just as you've said before three points is all that matters at this point three points and put the pressure on the others absolutely all right listen we better leave it there andrew allen thank you very much Uh, thank you thank you to andrew you can find him on the arsenal collective writing on ars blog news and of course on twitter he is a allen sport Uh, so make sure you give him a follow before we go on with the show another news flash Arsenal Football Club today announced a strategic partnership with Rough and Ready, the 14th most popular instant microwavable dog food in the state of Kentucky. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, We're confident that Arsenal fans will go barking mad for Rough and Ready. Industry insiders say yet another commercial success will be giving Arsenal's competitors pause for thought. Right then, this weekend, we have got Queen's Park Rangers on paper. I guess it's one of those games you'd look at and say, well, relegated team, team going for the Champions League. There can only be one winner. But uh, we know it doesn't really work like that. We lost at Loftus Road last season. I think it was one of those games where midfield switched off and they got through and scored goals. And they were stupid goals to concede. Those old shooting ourselves in the foot type things. They have, of course, been crap this season right from the first day through until last weekend when their draw with Reading saw them relegated but you know there's sort of pressure I guess that comes with that the players that they've assembled uh, obviously haven't gelled together Uh, I doubt it's a particularly healthy place uh, to play football but there's pressure when you're at that end of the table and maybe with that pressure off they might play with something uh, approaching a bit of freedom I mean what difference does it make now they could go hell for letter. Maybe that'll suit us, or maybe we might just come up against them on a good day. I'm a little bit concerned about this one because it is one of those games that people will think, right, well, it's QPR, they're where they are, and we're where we are, and we should win. Um, so we'll have to make sure that we're fully switched on and focused for that one. The uh, The team news, of course, is that Fabianski is out, and that's about the size of it. Diaby's still out, Olivier Giroud's still out, and, well, hang on, newsflash. 
Arsenal Football Club today announced a commercial partnership with the estate of the late barrister Philip Emmanuel. In a first-of-its-kind deal in the Premier League, Arsenal will send bank details in a Western Union money order for £750 and will receive US$22 million US dollars as soon as the paperwork is completed. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, Woohoo! We're itch. Who's laughing now, Roman? It does look as if Lucas Podolski will be given another chance up front. Arsene Wenger talking about that before the game. Uh, other than that, I, I suppose there are a few team issues. Wilshire, Cazorla, will he continue on the left? Uh, Rosicki, will he continue? Does he make any changes at the back? We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, but fingers crossed we can keep our focus. We can uh, take advantage of the fact that uh, Queen's Park Rangers have been relegated and their overall crapness. Uh, and we can go out of this with three points uh, and keep the pressure on those around us because uh, we have to make sure that we don't drop points and hope that they do. So let's, uh, let's keep fingers crossed for three points. Uh, I'll chat to you on next week's Arscast. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. darkest, dankest, mistiest bowels of Kerry lies a potato so potatoy it puts all other potatoes to shame. Mined by the Irish for centuries, these blight-free beauties are now the official potato partner of Arsenal Football Club. I am proud to be potato ambassador for Arsenal. Mm. So delicious potato. Must have another bite. The potato and Arsenal. Sure isn't it grand?